passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, everybody, welcome back to Post Wrestling. It's a pleasure today to be joined by this man for the first time here at the site. He is the host of Pro Wrestling for Life that drops every Thursday alongside Nick Houseman. Pleasure to welcome Sean Waltman to the program. Sean, how's it going today? Oh, great, John. Thanks, man. Appreciate you uh, giving us a little press. Absolutely, man. I mean, you've kind of been in the podcast space for a couple of years now and now launching uh, this version alongside Nick. Tell me a bit about kind of the evolutionary process for you in the position of a host and and conducting interviews and just the, the whole process. It seems to be something that you dove into head first. Oh, well, uh, I'll try to I'll try to keep this concise because I get long winded. Uh, I met I met Maria Menuno's husband, Kevin Undergaro, uh, at at the uh the, the Hall of Fame at, at Madison Square Garden. I can't remember what year it was now. Right. Maria inducted Bob Backlund. Anyways, uh, Bruno was, you know. Anyways, so. That was, that was uh, the Donald Trump here. Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. So uh, so Kevin, he told me that he, he heard me on some radio shows uh, and thought I had a, you know, um, thought I was a good storyteller. And, uh, and you know, he just kind of encouraged me to, to, to follow that and he invited me out here to california um and he introduced me to norm pattis uh who's podcast one big wig and uh anyway so um i ended up doing the show i ended up moving out here you know mm-hmm. and uh and i was doing my show out of uh out of his him, him he and maria have after buzz tv and uh and they have studios in north hollywood that they would do that of. And so I would do my show out of their studio in North Hollywood on uh, every Wednesday. And, um, uh, you know, then the pandemic happened and right. uh, the studios closed down. You know, Kevin helped me build the studio in my, uh, in my house. And uh, so, you know, I just, uh, you know, I took a hiatus obviously during the pandemic and, right. um, and uh, so now I'm back and, and uh, just, you know, uh, just taking it to a different level, you know, having more structure, and, uh, you know, adding, uh, just switch things up, you know, have, have a Nick Houseman and, uh, it's just, it's been great, man. It's been really great. I, I've always found like, I'm not surprised that you found success in this area because, you know, you can look at a lot of, a lot of wrestlers that transition over and it's maybe they're going to be guarded about certain aspects or, they're, they're maybe going to hold their generation more so in, and look down upon those that are coming next in line. Those have yeah. never been attributes for you. You've been really an open book about your career. And as well, like it really comes through. You just had MSK on. Like you have a great appreciation of the young talent that's also coming up. And I think those are t- two very strong qualities for someone in your position now. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. Uh, I'm glad you noticed. 
I just, I, hey, look, and I know some people make it their thing that it's, you know, uh, and there's an audience for that. I'm just yep. bashing the, what's going on these days. And, and, and I get that. And everyone, you know, it's just, man, I, I always really loved how Terry Funk was with all the, the, the newer talent and the, and the newer generation uh, of talent coming up uh, from the time he was, you know, whether it was at ECW or uh, just like when I met him before even ECW, uh, just how, you know, encouraging it was. And, and, you know, he wasn't shitting on, on everything. And, and there were things, you know, he had criticisms or whatever, but you know, it's just the way he went about it. Uh, I, I, I really appreciated that. I, I, you know, I'm no Terry Funk by any means, obviously, but you know, uh, I like to try to be like Terry Funk when it comes to that. Do you sense that a lot, whether you've been at the performance center or you're chatting to younger talent that they're going back and they're watching some of the stuff you were doing in, in global and just coming up in an era where, I mean, you, for, for a lot of these performers coming up, they looked at you. It's like, wow, that is someone to aspire to. That's got to be an interesting position for you now to, to hear these stories. Yeah. And it feels great, you know, and, and I'm grateful that, uh, that I'm around now still, still alive. And, uh, and, you know, I, you know, um, my head's pretty clear. And, uh, and I'm able to enjoy all this and I'm able to, to contribute and give and give to them. You know, uh, it just feels so good, man. You know, I, I don't think enough people like appreciate the fact that, you know, you're on national television on ESPN at the age of 19, 19, 19, 19 yeah. years old. Yeah. Like you are learning with a national audience and you pretty much have been on national television for your entire career at yeah. such a young age how are you processing a lot of that, that suddenly you're getting this buzz on yourself, you're, you're growing into this role, but you're still, you're 19, you're just going into your 20s and everyone's watching you. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, obviously at the time, I didn't think of things that way, but looking back on it, it's like, wow, you know, most people when they're coming up, uh, they don't have all the eyes on them as they're learning, right? Like you can make yeah, your mistakes you, in front of yes. a small number. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, when you put it that way. Um, uh, yeah, everyone saw me and like guys like myself and Jerry Lynn, like, um, we were, you know, not that we didn't have people that, uh, you know, gave us advice or whatever, but we weren't in the ring with, you know, some of the talent that I was in the ring with once I got to WWE and started really learning, you know? So we were figuring all this shit out as we, you know, on our own a lot of the time, you know, and I looking back, I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of us, you know, uh, you know, look, I think you should be. And I, I mean, I see the mistakes now when I look back at that stuff, but man, when I take into consideration, we didn't have, you know, we were figuring that stuff out as we went, you know, did you find, especially in those early years, were you pretty receptive to constructive criticism? Was it something that it kind of depended on the source of where this information was coming from as you're learning, but at, at the same time kind of managing it with, hey, I'm pretty young and I'm having some success here doing things my way. So not a lot when, you know, before I got to WWF, not really. Like, I mean, there, I, there just wasn't a lot of it. I mean, yeah. Not that I didn't sit under learning trees or whatever, but uh, it just didn't happen as much. And and there was guys like that that I was around that were like so like in Minnesota I would like I would see Ad, Sheik Adnan Al Casey a lot, and 
you know, and it was great being around him. And I learned a lot from guys like that uh, and Eddie Sharkey, but like, like their style and just, I mean, it, I didn't see it at the time. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say, like, I didn't see where like they had anything to offer me as far as what I was doing in the ring. Now, when I got to WWF and I'm start, I'm working with Terry Taylor, Rick Martell, Mike Rotundo, uh, man, I just shut, I just shut up and, uh, and listened. I mean, there was like, I tell you a story real quick though, about Rick Martell. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'd love to hear about Rick Martell. Yeah. So I wasn't like, I wasn't happy. Like we were getting, we were, we were putting the match together and, uh, and I thought I should have done more. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm getting enough stuff in kind of, you know, like, and, and Rick's trying to be nice about it. And I'm like, oh, like I really didn't John. Like yeah. I honestly, I just felt like we weren't doing enough. But it came off really disrespectful, and uh, and you know, like I got put in my place, and and I shut up and I listened, and and uh, and and Rick was right, you know, um, and it's just that was a lesson I learned, and uh, um, yeah, I, you know, I just uh, that that's part of it, right? It's I, I just I I started just listening and, and, uh, and taking everything in and man, uh, working with those guys, it was amazing. John. When it comes to, you know, today, do you find that, you know, c- compared to the early nineties, were people more guarded when it came to giving out that kind of advice, like a Rick oh, yeah. Martel, he's not just handing that out to anyone. He's got to see something in order to really open up and, and share that, that, that accumulated wisdom. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, have you heard that? Uh, people were like that back then because they were. Yeah, you know, that's like, what it seems I, like. Even like, even um, like, I remember Scott Hall one time. Like, I was just giving some advice to somebody about something, and he was like, "Hey, like, um, I can't, I can't remember the exact situation, but it was like Scott came up, uh, you know, when they were real stingy with the knowledge. Yeah, you know, and and that's so. What would happen is. Unless you were working with that person, they didn't smart you up. They didn't smart you up because man, it was pretty competitive, right, John? Like very you know, much so. Yeah, it was all these were trade secrets. Yeah. You know, I never felt that way. I was always just real, you know, like I'll give it all away. Screw it. You know, like I mean, maybe that wasn't a good strategy, but I just I don't no, know. I, like I always felt like if they were worthy, like if they if they weren't worthy of the advice, they wouldn't understand it anyways, probably. When you uh, take us to kind of the, the transition in, in 1996 and you're, yeah. you're going from WWF to WCW in your view at that time, was it, was it kind of the thinking that I've gone as far with the one, two, three kid character. It's time for me to really change my whole perspective. And part of it, that is, is leaving WWF and doing something totally different elsewhere. What was, what were some of the, the key factors in, in making that decision? Oh, <sighs> I mean, besides the fact that, you know, I had this, I had this meeting out here in Hollywood, uh, LA, sorry. Uh, I was out here recuperating from nagging injuries and I was training out here and I met with Barry Bloom. He was super agent, Barry Bloom. And I met Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that got the whole thing started. Like that, that's what started, you know, Kevin and Scott, uh, both leaving. And I would have probably been the first one to leave, but my contract rolled over. I told the story a bunch of times. Um, uh, but you know, there was money, money was a thing. Uh, 
but really it was, I think for me, I was just, uh, there was, I didn't have the creative satisfaction, you know? Yeah. And, and also it felt like I was stuck. I wasn't, Vince was not going to look at me, you know, he liked me or whatever and, and liked having me, you know, uh, on his roster in his locker room, but he, he looked at me, uh, in a certain light and I wasn't going to change. I had to, I had to leave, you know, yeah. I knew I had to leave. I think that's such valuable information for, for a lot. And it's, it, believe me, that's a big decision to make walking away, especially now when you're talking about the money attached, but it I, was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my entire life. I have he, no he, doubt. He, he flew me to like, so I, I went to rehab mm-hmm. also, right. He put me, he put me in rehab. Uh, he got me cleaned up. Flew me to Stanford, had a meeting, told me like if I wanted to stay, you know, because all the curtain call stuff had happened too. So, you right. know, Hire was in the doghouse. And so he's telling me like, I got to work my way back up or whatever, and, you know, or I could, or he'd give me my release. And I could, if, if, he actually said, if, if you think you can make more money going working for that billionaire asshole, I'll, I'll give you a week to think about it. And let me know. You know, if it maybe it's better for you and your family. He was just really great about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it just also goes to show you like how, how much he thought of me at the time. <laughs> go ahead and go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you go back to, I mean, that's a pretty memorable moment is your return in 98. Yeah. And you come in and you are, you're a main player that you are instantly yeah. like that for, there are many factors going on, like with WrestleMania and Tyson and everything. But I think a lot of people point to that felt like this, this segment that really felt like the tone shifting, like here's a guy coming back. You cut that promo that I'm sure is, is brought up many, many times to you. Yeah. Like, like it seemed to me that they saw you as a player and part of that was going away and coming back as a totally different version of Sean Waltman. Well, I think they were hoping I was going to be a player and they were giving me every opportunity. Right. And uh, thankfully, um, you know, that, that promo segment, like that was a, that was, I, I hate to sound, hate to put myself over too much, but I think I was like, I hit it out of the park, I think. You I know, would, it was a little rough agree. around the, it was a little rough around the edges, but like, it went out. Sometimes um, you need that. I think sometimes yeah. you need that in a promo that it's like, it shouldn't be perfect. It shouldn't be all pretty and every word. It's like, it felt real and you knew what Sean Waltman was feeling because that was you in that. Yeah. That was not you just taking something completely disconnected and... I mean, for you, you know, for, for someone that has, you know, for going out there where the segment, you're not going out there to wrestle a 15 minute match. I mean, that you do effectively when it's like, man, I've got to, I've got to hit this out of the park and it's a promo. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like the nerves of that one have to be high. Yeah. It's never been my strong suit. Like my in ring stuff has always been like where I was strongest. So yeah, to have to go out there with the microphone in my hand and speak in front of all the people, you know, I've talked about this before. Um, I have a fear of that, like kind of almost like I have a, a fear of heights, which is kind of crazy too. But uh, um, yeah, man. And so it, man, I'm really grateful that it, uh, <laughs> that I was able to pull it off, you know, and they gave me the ball, John, like yep. after, after, uh, after that, man, uh, once I, especially once I started having matches, because I was still recuperating from the neck surgery. Once I started having matches, they pushed the shit out of me. I think I was looking at like the the stats from that year, and I think you you worked more matches that year than it was like ninety eight, ninety nine. Like 
you were, if not number one, like among the top guys, like match uh, in just terms of match numbers. Um, oh yeah, like you you were the workhorse of that that locker room. Oh yeah, yep. I so, and I I loved it. I loved it, man. I was just uh, on top of the world. <laughs> How did, because, you know, uh, you fast forward a year and you, you and Hunter do the match at WrestleMania and then it's the breakup. And I have to imagine that was a, probably very difficult at the time that you guys have this this machine in DX that is going that you guys could have rode out for years to come. And, yes. and here it is that you have to look at, you know, Hunter's going this direction. But man, we are sitting on one of one of the biggest merchandising machines that this yes. industry has ever seen. Yeah, uh, I was. I remember uh, Dog and Billy were pretty upset about it, you know, because I mean we were making some pretty fat quarterly uh, marketing checks. I can only know? imagine. Yes, there were some six-figure uh, quarterly checks coming our way. So you know, I mean, when you when you think about it that way, I honestly, I never thought about from that from that uh, point of view. I was just like creatively worried about what was going to happen, you know, and. Uh, and you know my match with Shane. I was supposed to go over in that match. Um, that was the whole like. That was the agreement with Vince when he asked me to have the match with Shane. I'm like, well, I it's like I have I run the show, and like meaning you know I call the shots and I go over, and he's like done. But um, Shane had a lot of great ideas, so like I, I like we used a ton of his ideas, and. Uh, once it was obvious that okay, Hunter's turning heel, I, I realized, man, if he didn't turn heel, if he didn't turn on me, his turn was gonna suck. You know, like I mean, it had to be me. He had to come out and fuck me. Excuse my language. I don't oh, know how fine. you feel. No. So good. Uh, it had to be me, and it had that was what had to happen. So I kind of took the, you know, um, you might say I sacrificed myself, but I didn't. That was great for me. Mm-hmm. getting beat by Shane was great for me. Um, and, and as weird as that may sound, uh, like, all the, I was so much more over after getting screwed by Paul. Um, yes. I mean, coming out the, the next time I came out, the, the, the crowd reaction, I was getting pretty good pops, but it was even hot. It was, it was noticeably uh, more intense. I just want to go back when you mentioned like the kind of equating, like going out, cutting promos, being like a fear of heights. Is that the case when, when you're doing interviews, when you're doing the show, or is this a totally different experience for you when you're, when you, when you're doing the podcast and you're not, you're not in front of a big arena for, for instance. Oh, talk, speak, talking. Yeah. Just, just oh, in okay. terms of like be, yeah, being yeah. in the hosting role now. Yeah, it's weird, I, right? You, it's you weird, take right? to it very naturally. Yes. Thank you. Well, and cause it's just, there's something different about it. Yeah, started doing it, podcast. Uh, it was it was a little awkward, but it's just different. Like if you realize you're cutting a promo, I and, and you're thinking about it, like it doesn't come off like this, you know. Right. It, it, um, it's just it's a totally different medium. I, yeah, I think. yeah. And it's just you know, you, there's no time limit. You don't have to worry about hitting this, this, or this. It's just yeah. I mean, you've got the knowledge, and it's just getting it out there. And it seems like you you've been able to find that that ability not not everyone can do that so seamlessly yeah and i'm grateful for it man because a lot of people you know some people didn't think i was i would could even put a sentence together at one point you know uh 
So, uh, yeah, I think it's a pleasant surprise for a lot of people that I'm, I can actually carry on, uh, carry on an intelligent conversation. Uh, speaking about something current, did you get to see the recent uh, Brian Pillman documentary on, on Dark Side of the Ring? Because I found it interesting that, like, you and Pillman, I imagine, never never really crossed paths within your careers. You would have, like, missed one another, obviously, in WCW, and then, um, you know, he passed away before you got back to WWF. We were only around each other a couple of times. Like, we met each other uh, just a few times. Uh, he, you know, he, he and Hunter used to be roommates before Paul came to uh, work oh, at WWF. So he was still roommates with, with Pillman. Okay. Uh, when I would call there, like, because we would hook up for, you know, on the road, we were riding together, and, you know, Pillman would be there. He'd answer the phone sometimes or whatever. But uh, so that was the only interaction I ever had with Brian. You know, I looked up to him, you know? Yeah. I mean, when, when you look like there's such a such an immense amount of these documentaries that have come out and, you know, you've been yeah. very open about your own struggles, what you've gone through. Would you be comfortable in that kind of a light with, if they had come to you and wanting to do some, something on the life of Sean Waltman that, I mean, you've been in this. I don't inter- know, man. I don't know. Uh, I get, like you, you said, I've been pretty open about everything. It's just. Uh, Stuff you may not want to revisit. Yeah, man. It's just. Like I would never say, like I would never tell them, don't do a, don't make an episode on me. I just don't know if I'd want to be a part of it. I don't right. know. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know, man. It just depends. I, I say it because I think that like you have proven to be this um, incredibly influential figure to to a lot of younger talent that look at you and just the different chapters on your career, Sean, from yeah. global to the kid to six X Pac. Uh, the king of trios uh, a decade ago like uh, yeah. you have had it's been so a many... decade now since that That's it's crazy. amazing it's amazing that feels like yesterday but i mean you've had so and you've been in the middle of so many huge stories i mean there would be no shortage of aspects to a sean waltman documentary or even a book yeah and, and i've sat down and, and recorded some stuff for for a documentary okay. you know talked about a lot of things and so there's some stuff in the can with me uh, when it comes to that, but, uh, man, and people have asked me like, actually a few people like, like with funding and really? man, like just, it just feels like, like a, a commitment. Like, I don't, I don't know how long something like that would take. And I don't know, man, like, uh, people follow me around. I, I, I think, think it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's a, like, I do appreciate that. It's, you know, this, like I watch some of the dark side of the rings and you can see like, like Jim Ross, for instance, like he has to go back and relive like some, some yeah. horrible days, like between yeah. Owen and Pillman and you know, the, the plane ride from hell is going to be covered. Like yeah. it's a lot of stuff that sometimes when you get through, it's like to sit down and have to relive it detail by detail that that can be pretty mentally taxing as well. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been on and off working on autobiography. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's a, that's one of the, the things about it is uh, just there are a lot of dark, st- a lot of dark stuff in that, in my story. Right. And just to go back and, 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 and revisit some of that, you know, that, I'm, that I have to do. It's, it's, I don't like it, man. <laughs> I yeah. don't, it's not a fun place to go back and visit at all, man. And it's um, actually my, 
somebody that was helping me with it and you know it was i'm I'm telling him these stories and like he's being traumatized like vicariously just listening to this shit you know yeah and and it negatively affects the people that are trying to write this thing with me wow no it's a yeah it's tough man i bet um, you're just a couple of months removed from pretty major knee surgery. You kind of had the works yeah. done uh, back in January. So um, tell us a bit about just the recovery process and, and what, what is, what is your outlook? Like you said, like this was over 10 years that you had had these nagging problems. What was kind of the impetus to finally go through with the, the surgery? So I used, I used to work, I used to have MWA title matches in different towns with Adam Pierce. Right. I yeah. loved it. I loved working with Adam. Uh, and so we had one, I was living in Mexico at the time, but I would come up for these shows and we had one in Corpus Christi and then there was something weird about the ring or, or that. And, um, I did a spot with him that I've done a million times, literally. I mean, as, as much as I've done just about any spot, it's like a block the hip toss and you do a backflip. And right. anyways, when I landed on the backflip, my, I totally blew out my ACL, excuse me. And, uh, uh, that was like, I don't know, 13 years ago or something like that. Wow. And so like, I, and I never get, had time off. It was crazy. Like uh, I, like down in Mexico, they would just have me sit on the apron and uh, you know, I, they would hide me out in like triple, you know, trio matches. And, um, and I actually, I had a match with Brian Danielson like two weeks later in, in Australia Mm-hmm. And we managed to have a match. Like if you look at it, you can see like I'm I'm, on, I'm limping on one leg, but uh, I just I never had a chance to get it fixed, John. Yeah, you know, and I wasn't, you know, in a, you know, back then I didn't have you know health insurance. I didn't have you know any of that. So living in Mexico, and I couldn't afford to take the time off. So is the plan like your wrestling days are not done though? I'm gonna have a few matches. You know, like I mean, people like to make some big thing out of it. And like Nick, you know, I know Nick gets excited and, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, fantasy booking my freaking comeback or whatever, but uh, I'm just going to have a few matches, man. We'll see what happens. You know, like there's a, I'm not here to suck out any of the oxygen from the, from the younger guys. You know, if I can help enhance any of them, you know, um, that would be most ideal. You know, oh, that's, that's very cool. Well, yeah. Sean, it's been uh, it's really been really cool to uh, to catch up with you uh, and chat with you for the first time. Again, the uh, the podcast is Pro Wrestling for Life. It drops every Thursday. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts with Sean Waltman and Nick Houseman. Uh, you guys just had a big chat with uh, with MSK. We've had Kyle O'Reilly on uh, recently as well. Uh, what what's coming up on this week's show? Oh. Uh... Uh, Kurt Bauer and Jacob Fatu. We're going to have them both on at the same time. We're going right. to, uh, you know, talk about what the, there's some cool stuff going on. Right. Uh, I was, I was really happy to hear about their vice TV deal. That's right. You know? Yes. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, Sean- that, I, I, I just want to thank you again, John, you know, this is the first time we've had a chance to do this. Um, and uh, I really appreciate it. Man. Thank well, you. let's uh, let's make sure it's not the last time. I would uh, love to have you back on sometime. And uh, you know, I I really uh, admire like your your work on on the podcast front. Like you, you know, it's it's not it's it's not as easy as some people might assume it is. And the fact you've been doing it for several years, I think you're you're a testament to you know the talent that you've got the knowledge and then being able to convey it. That's you know it's a unique skill. Thank you, thank you, John. I appreciate it, man.